You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast. We've got a great show lined up for you today with a wonderful special guest. We are here to talk about Europa League match preview. Fenerbahce versus Olympiagos is taking place tomorrow, Thursday evening for the second game of the Europa League group stages. Labro, how are we feeling, ma'am? Doing excellent. Doing really good tonight. Uh, excited for the game tomorrow. Uh, there's been some good football this week. I haven't watched the games uh, yet from tonight, but last night was fun. So I'm excited for tomorrow night. Hopefully some some fun things will be going, going down too. Fantastic. If you haven't checked it out already, head over to our website at www.gate7international.com. You'll find match preview there by our guy, Olympiacos France, Marshall. Great match preview. Some nice takes in there. Could Mathieu Valbuena be the magician or the X Factor tomorrow? Uh, let's see. But without further ado, we do have a special guest with us today, joining us live from Turkey. Her name is Reza, uh, Rezan Yetis. I spelt her name wrong there. My apologies. Rezan. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Welcome. I'm doing super good. How are you? Very well. Thank you very, very much. Good. Thank you for, Thanks for joining us today. Do you want to t- tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course. Uh, so I'm going to start with my with spelling my name. It's Rezan <laughs> Yetish. Uh, I'm 26 years old. I work for a TV sports channel called TV Sport in Turkey, based in Istanbul as well. So I cover football matches, especially... Uh, the Super League, the, the Turkish Super League teams, uh, starting with Fenerbahce, also Galatasaray and Besiktas too. So I've been uh, working for this channel for about a year now, but I've also worked for digital platforms as well, uh, for example, Goal Turkey and Matchkolik. And before that, I have worked for 442 Turkey. So I've started with 442 Turkey and also Goal Turkey, Matchkolik, and I'm, I'm right now. I'm working for a TV sports channel, like I said before, TV Bus Sport, it's called. So it's my uh, like first year. I've completed my first year, year in here and I enjoy it. I love football. Like uh, since I was a little kid, I've been watching uh, Fenerbahce's games as well. Uh, but other than Fenerbahce also, I've been following the European teams, especially the Premier League clubs. And I support Liverpool in England. So uh that's all i can say for myself do you, how do you like costas Timigas? uh yeah actually uh, i have uh, i've expected more from him now he's growing and he's playing more uh, in the starting 11 i think Jurgen Klopp uh believes in him too he uses him too much in premier league and also uh he tries to uh 
uh, use him in the European game, games as well. So we expect more, and I think he can do that. He's a promising kid. We love Kostas Tsimikas. We're still trying to replace him, and I don't. Yeah. You can't see the tears, but I'm I'm still crying inside. No, I, but I can <laughs> feel it. Olympiakos Turkey, Kalispera Komsi. Hello, neighbor, uh, our friend Olibiagos uh, Turkey, who we know from Twitter. Thanks for joining, my friend. Uh, where where do we start? How is uh, the season? They're top of the league. Is it been? Has it been convincing or not so convincing? What, how would you say Fenerbahce is doing ahead of tomorrow? Actually, we should start from the summertime because. Uh, as you may know, Fenerbahce had changed the manager at the end of the season because last season was really chaotic from the managerial part because they have started with another manager and they have changed it. They have completed the season with another manager called Emre Belezolo. You may have known him before, but they but but the the president didn't want to continue with him. He tried to bring another managers. He tried to bring really good managers, really big managers. They have talked with big star managers. But at the end of the day, Vitor Pereira came because, and Vitor Pereira knew Fenerbahce before because he worked for Fenerbahce before. And it's his second time in the club. Fans, the Fenerbahce fans were really surprised when Vitor Pereira uh, came to the team. But uh, they didn't know. They didn't just quite, they, they didn't, uh, quite feel very well with him because when he left the team before they you know he they expected more from Vitor Pereira because he had really star players for example Nani Robin Van Persie but he couldn't be successful it's the second time but fans started to believe in it fans started to believe in him after like seven matches in the Super League Fenerbahce is now top of top of the league they have they have won five games and they have just one draw and uh, they have just lost one game. They have uh, 16 points right now. And Fenerbahce is the best team uh, when, if we talk about conceding, conceding goals, Fenerbahce is now top of the league as well. They have just conceded five goals. So we can uh, say Fenerbahce's defensive part is really, really growing. It's really promising. But uh, it's really early to say Fenerbahce is the biggest uh, champions candidate in the Super League because there are too, too many strong teams other than Fenerbahce. We can say Trabzonspor, we can say Besiktas, who they're um, competing in the Champions League too. But Fenerbahce is a really, really good and it's where they are really strong candidate when, it's, when it comes to Super League championship. It's interesting. You talking highly of Vitor Pereira. We talked about it high, uh, a bit off camera. Costa, yeah. not my favorite coach well. at Olympiacos when he left. <laughs> I remember when he incited the riot against the uh, Panathinaikos fans. Yeah, beautiful yeah. moment. I think he was handed a a fine or suspended jail sentence, but that was beautiful. His tactics were shocking. Frank Ojara, does everyone remember that striker? Tragic. Draw, I, I think people could drop in the comments what they think about Vitor Pereira, but I don't think it'll be highly. So it's interesting to see that he's doing so well. And my mind immediately goes to some of the, the players that Fenerbahce has. Dimitris Pelkas comes to mind, Greek international, of course. 
was all right at Pauk, but has seemed to blown up the the past season. And also big name Mesut Ozil, who people in Greece have been reporting will not play tomorrow. Still not sure about that. Um, and then and then the striker Ener Valencia, I think that's his name. He's doing very well as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So there's star power on the team. We can say that, I guess. Yeah, uh, that that three names, especially Ener Valencia, is like Fenerbahce's biggest threat. It's going to be the biggest threat tomorrow too. He's not a pure striker, but he plays as a striker, and he offers too many striker positions. He he scores too many goals. He, he may be a be, he may be a, a better striker than the other ones, but. Uh, Fenerbahce transferred strikers at the end of the deadline, you know, the deadline day. Berisha, maybe you have you have known him, maybe you have heard him before. But until that moment, and still Pereira uses him as a striker. And I think Ener Valencia is re- doing really, really good. And he's going to be uh, really good against Olympiacos if he starts. And I, I believe he's 99% he's going to start in the starting 11. But when it comes to Mesut Ozil, uh, before we start broadcasting, I thought Mesut Ozil is going to play in the starting eleven, but I have just seen the news that Mesut Ozil is uh, having some sort of, you know, sickness. Maybe he will not be uh, in the starting eleven. He didn't train with uh, with the rest of the team, so we will see if he's going to be all right tomorrow. Maybe he can start at the bench. So that's the latest news about Mesut Ozil. He may not be able to play in the starting 11 tomorrow against Olympiacos. And uh, you've mentioned Palkas. He was one of the star players last season, even if Fenerbahce didn't uh, win the league. But uh, if we talk about individually about the players, he was the best one. But he dislocated his shoulder uh, before, at, uh, like at the start of the season. Now he's uh, getting better. He's uh, playing. He's, he's getting some minutes. He played like five or... Uh, six minutes in the last Super League game. Uh, and I believe he's going to start tomorrow against Olympiacos as well. So Rezan, Fenerbahce, they like to play 3-5-2. So with three at the back and two strikers. What What is that going to look like up front? So we know that Ene Valencia will probably be one of the two strikers. Are we likely to see Belgas playing a little bit behind him up front and five five midfielders how 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 does that Fenerbahce lineup uh, start to take shape in in your eyes ahead of tomorrow's game actually I believe they are going to play with four midfielders uh, because Vitor Pereira is preferring like three for three uh, just one striker and uh, playing with two other players I thought uh, Mesut Ozil, Valencia and Dimitrios Pelkas would start tomorrow but Given the news about Mestozil, if he is sick, I believe uh, the other one of the other players would play instead of him. So, uh, like with, before Vitor Pereira left Fenerbahce, uh, he tried to bring three defenders. He used that system, like uh, when Fenerbahce played Monaco in the Champions League playoff, he used that system, and people really criticized him, and he still insists in that system. And I believe he's getting really, really better on that system. And, you know, Vitor Pereira is a really aggressive and emotional guy when it mm-hmm. comes to his judgments about football. Uh, when I watched him today uh, in the pre-match conference, there were some questions still, uh, because 
the, the media is still questioning the three, three defender system. And he said that people always know better than football coaches. And uh, I really can't stand that idea. He, I, I just quote him because, uh, like I just said, he's really aggressive when uh, they, they, the people criticize him. So he said that, uh, you know better than me, you always know better than me, but I am the coach, I take responsibility, I use this team, I use these players, etc., etc. But if we look at the Fenerbahce and preseason and now, like after seven Super League games, I believe this three defender system is doing really good. And defensive part is Fenerbahce's really biggest advantage. Like they just conceded five league games in the Super League. I believe that would be a nice proof for Olympiakos too. Attila Zalai, he was one of the other star players last season. He was like uh, he was like a wall against the other the uh, opponents players, opponent strikers, and he is now having a companion called Kim Min Jae. Fenerbahce transferred this player this year, like before the season, and now Zalai and Min Jae are really good pairs. And Vitor Pereira mentioned them about. In, uh, mentioned them in the pre-match conference too. He said that they are the best defensive duo they have uh, that I have ever worked with, and I believe he's not that uh, really wrong, uh, given the statistics. Uh, Kim Min Jae and Zalai when they played together. So, uh, last but not least, I believe NR Valencia is going to play up front. And I believe uh, Pelkas will play with him too. Uh, Fenerbahce will start again with three defenders as usual. And uh, Bright Osai Samuel up, uh, on the right and Ferdi Cadolo on the left. Uh, I believe they are going to play like this. And also Luis Gustavo would be uh, on the, you know, at the center of the midfield because Luis Gustavo is like an erase, uh, I'm sorry, irreplaceable player for Fenerbahce this season. Mm -hmm. This season and last season too. Like, there are too many alternatives alternatives for any kind of players in the starting 11. Zalai, Pelkas, even Mestuzil has an alternative because Fenerbahce got a really good squad. They, they Like, a squad depth is really, really good. But Luis Gustavo is the only player that has no... Uh, advantage uh, that there has no alternative in the Fenerbahce squad. He was he was the one who rested the less in the in the last season, and he's still he's still playing ninety minutes every game. Like he's not a young player, but he's really experienced, and he's a really really good leader on the pitch. So, I believe Fenerbahce would start like these players, but I don't know if Vitor Pereira changes his mind. And uh, I believe Mesut Özil is going to be really decisive if he plays or not. So, so interesting. Uh, Gustavo is a famous old name. Like, I feel like he's been in Turkey for some years now. So yeah. maybe he's lost. Um, I don't know. People have lost track of him. But it's so interesting that he's still such an important player. I, I feel like he was such an important player back in the day uh, as well when he was hosted for Bayern Munich, I think. Yeah. It's been a while. But... Um, Another comment we got is about this guy who I was also wondering from, was it Los Angeles football club? Diego yeah. Rossi was, I think a deadline day transfer, something along those lines. Yeah, yes. He's quite an exciting player as well. And to be honest with you, 
Mesut Ozil has never performed well against Olympiacos Costa. Can I say that? He's always been lazy. He doesn't run. He doesn't track back. No. I, no, no, no. Oh, do, you he... remember, do you remember the game at the Emirates? He was useless. It was brilliant watching him play. Like Their midfield was <laughs> Ceballos, Ozil, and Xhaka was miserable. And, oh, God, I think that's one of the reasons we won. But he it, that, that game that Arsenal beat us 3-0, actually, where Giroud scored a hat-trick... That Joel Campbell game. played well that game. I will. He, I'm not gonna. Yeah, gonna Joel Campbell hard. played well, but I think I think Özil played in that game as well. But okay. Um, I Ozil, but I just think uh, the pace of Rossi. I've seen a little bit of him. I think it's much more deadly than Mesut Özil. No offense to Mesut Özil. <laughs> I don't know exactly how he's playing in Turkey, but I just have memories of him walking around and not doing much against us. And I loved Mesut Özil when he was younger, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if we talk about Mesut in Fenerbahce, you might be right because he hasn't got the time to improve. He hasn't got the time to be on his best period because when he arrived Fenerbahce, he hadn't played football properly for like 10 or 11 months in Arsenal. So he was not in the best shape of Mesut Ozil. But he never ne really needed to run too much. He really never needed to think too much on the pitch. When he got the ball, when he gets the ball, whenever he's playing for Fenerbahce, even if he performs like, for example, he starts in the starting 11 and he plays 80 minutes really, really bad. But when he gets that tiny little bit of football intelligence on his mind on the pitch, that's enough for him. And he just crosses the ball. He sees the opportunity. He creates the opportunity to score a goal. And that's enough for, for him and for Fenerbahce fans too. Because Fenerbahce fans really, really wanted to see him play for Fenerbahce someday. And their dreams uh, came true. So they don't question Mr. Zul qualities and they believe in him. But he needs really, really long time to get in the best shape of him, get in the best form. And Vitor Pereira really tries to bring the best of him in the matches. But uh, I believe he still needs time to get in the form. Because nine months, 11 months is, is a really, really long time to not to play football. Especially when you are playing at the top level. He came from Premier League, but he didn't, he didn't play a Premier League game like since, since when. So it's been a really long time. But I think we can. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, I, yeah. I forgot to talk about Diego Rossi too. Yes, he was a deadline transfer, a deadline day transfer, and uh, not too many football fans in Turkey knew about him because you know MLS. Yeah, it's growing, but it, they like that league will never be that popular like the five biggest European leagues, like. England, like Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, it will never be that much popular. People in Turkey prefer to watch those games other than Turkey. But Diego Rossi was a promising talent and uh, they have they have watched, they have searched about him when he arrived Fenerbahce. And I believe uh, in the last two and three matches, he was showing his qualities on, on the pitch. He's, he's a really fast guy. His pace is really absolutely amazing sometimes he reaches a level like bright osai samuel doing it at the right flank so uh, i believe he's one of those guys who needs time like berisha and max Meyer as well 
Well, he sounds like an exciting player, but um, talking about Mesut Ozil, Razan, maybe one day we do another podcast and we can talk just about him because uh, <laughs> I feel like Mesut Ozil deserves yeah, we des- need deserves to a lot of airtime. <laughs> yeah, but um, look. Um, I think there are going to be some interesting choices for both managers tomorrow because it sounds like, I mean, Ozil is a last-minute dropout. And from what we were hearing uh, coming from from Turkey, Vitor Pereira had talked to Mesut Ozil and was expecting him to play a part tomorrow. So it looks like his plans may have changed last minute. It also looks like our plans are changing last minute as well. We were expecting Jan and Villa to be playing in midfield tomorrow. It now looks as if Jan and Villa is not being considered. Um, he's still struggling to overcome an injury that's been keeping him out for the last two to three weeks. He actually played with injection against Standard Liège and then missed uh, missed all the games uh, that we had. Made a, a short cameo appearance on the weekend in a 2-0 victory away from home against Asteras. Um, so that might see Pierre Kunde come into midfield and yep. uh, Bukalagis dropping back deeper. Labra, how are you feeling about that? What, what um, do you see for our line? Like tomorrow? I always do on these previews, I'm going to give you the starting 11, and usually it's quite accurate. So I'm going to go Vatchlik's going to play in goal at right back. We're going to have Mikhail Karbovnik, the Polish youngster, he's been playing great, Cisse, Papastathopoulos. Left back, Oleg Rayabchuk. You're going to have Kunde on the left side. You're going to have in the center, Andreas Puhalakis. And on the right, Marika Mara, who may be playing up next to the striker in a 4-4-2 type thing. And then we're going to have Henry Onyakuru on one wing. And I'm expecting to see Yorgos Masura start on the other wing. We're going to need his defensive ability and tracking back. So that... I'm pretty sure I'm I'm 90%. I'm, I'm I'm feeling good about this one. There is always a shout. Matja Vabuena coming back to Fernabache could could start. He was at the press conference. We saw it. We'll yeah. see. I have fans really curious about if Valbuena is going to play or not against Fernabache tomorrow. He's gonna play. He's gonna play, but he's not gonna start. I'll say that. Costa, I don't know if you agree. Uh, what about Gary Rodriguez oh. and Munya? Could they those players? will be uh, included in the starting 11? Gary Rodriguez isn't in the squad because he was signed after the the registration deadline. He was a free transfer and uh, he's still coming up to match fitness. So he's he's not available. Uh, On Yakuru, it's it's 50-50. I think one of the positions on the wing is open. I think one is for Masuras. um, And the other one is between Agibu Kamara... Henry Onyekuru and possibly Mathieu Valbuena, but I don't think Valbuena will start the game. I think that the, the problem with Valbuena is that if you put him from the beginning, he's not a player that likes to really keep position on the field. He likes to go everywhere. He likes to have a free role. For Fenerbahce, I, ble- I, I really believe in you because he was not a good player when he started in the starting eleven. but when it comes to coming off from the bench and changing changing the dynamics yeah. of the game he's the best one he's he's your guy so that would be a really he's, good choice if he starts in the bench he's a bit like Mesut Ozil in that respect that he might come on and he might not do anything and then 
one second he'll get the ball and he'll put a cross in, he'll take a free kick, he'll take a nice set piece and we'll score. So um, for me right now, as a 37-year-old, I think that, you know, he's not really my my favourite player right now, but I have that respect for him that he's a player that can still, he can still put his mark on the game. And he did it last season when we played against Marseille at home. He was the one that delivered the ball for, for a Hassan header in the 92nd minute that gave us the win that put us through to the Europa League, essentially. So... There is a possibility, and that was against his former club, Olympique Marseille. He's now going back to Turkey to a stadium where he was adored and loved by the fans. So it it kind of has that storyline to it again, possibly, that Valbuena could be an important player or a potential X factor um, in tomorrow's game. I expect he'll make an appearance 15, 20 minutes, um, I'm very curious to see how we're going to line up, uh, particularly on the wings and who's going to start up front. Uh, we actually did a poll on this and we were asking fans, who do you think is going to start tomorrow? Youssef El Arabi or Tiquinho? So Youssef El Arabi is our talisman. He's been our top scorer the last the last two seasons. He's 34 years of age. He, he really is just uh, a killer striker if he gets the ball in the box eight nine times out of ten he's gonna score he's quite good on with his feet he's good in the air he's a complete striker but he's he's 34 and now we've brought in this guy Tiquinho who played for Porto some years ago you might remember him and he scored three goals in the last two games he's regaining confidence after coming from China with a long, you know, he's had a long absence of, of football for a few months. That's a big decision for the manager tomorrow. I, I'm I'm really, I'm also expecting a potential surprise in the lineup tomorrow, whether that's a certain player or whether it's a formation. My God, if if Pedro Martins decides to go for a 4-4-2 in Turkey tomorrow with El Arabi and Tiquinho, I, I, I don't know. I no way. There could be some surprises tomorrow. Uh, Elaboro, you don't think so? I don't think so. And also, I want to point out one last thing. We were told from Galatasaray fans, Henry Onyekuru likes a game against Fenerbahce. Yeah, that, so, actually, I was just waiting for uh, for you guys to finish your words because I'm really curious about, uh, especially Onyekuru, because he scored a goal against Fenerbahce when Galatasaray won the game. So Fenerbahce fans would be really on the line when they watch Onyekuru playing a ball against our against the uh, Fenerbahce goalpost, uh, like towards Altai Binder because they have faced before. And uh, Onyekuru knows really, really well Fenerbahce and Fenerbahce Stadium. So, like, you've uh, mentioned about Tikinio and El Arabi, but Fenerbahce fans will think that Henry Onyekuru is the biggest threat for Olympiacos against Fenerbahce. They will think, they will see him as, as the biggest threat on the pitch tomorrow because they have seen him. They have seen his qualities. He's a really good player. He was playing really good for Galatasaray. Uh, and before uh, like before the season, before the new season, uh, Galatasaray fans really waited for him uh, to come again. Uh, Galatasaray tried to bring him, but they couldn't afford him because they, they are in a, like... The president had changed. They were, uh, they were in a financial uh, like a tiny crisis, but they couldn't just afford him. They couldn't afford his, uh, like they couldn't buy him 
they couldn't spend four or five millions just for one just for Henry Onyekuru. So they have waited. But well, if Galatasaray fans want want to see him, they could just go over to Kadıköy to Fenerbahçe Stadium and see him in another jersey in Olympiakos jersey, I guess. Can can fans actually Galatasaray fans actually go there? They're not won't be afraid for their lives. No, <laughs> just, just, out of, just out of curiosity. If they like him that much, maybe they they could just try. But Galatasaray is going to play with Marseille tomorrow, so they will be just sitting at home waiting for Galatasaray to get a point, get a th- uh, like get three points against uh, Marseille. So they will not be going there. I don't think so. And as we wrap up, we're going to do a score prediction. And one last thing I want to know, are there stadium restrictions? We're hearing a great atmosphere is waiting. Is it full stadium? Is it 70% like some other? No, no, it's uh, like 50% of the stadium's capacity. So there are still restrictions, but fans attending. And this match is quite important for Fenerbahce fans too, because... um, this is going to be the first European League game for Fenerbahce fans. They, they will be watching their beloved team in the stadium against the European team for the first time in this season. And, you know, Fenerbahce were not very successful when, when it came to European Cups games. And because of the pandemic, they couldn't just attend the matches. So after a really, really long period, Fenerbahce fans will attend the game for European, European League game for the first time for after a really, really long period. So it's going to be really exciting for them too. They would put on a really good show uh, just for this occasion. And hopefully the Olympiacos players will rise to the occasion as well. It's been a long time since they've yeah. played in a hostile atmosphere. We'll be, <laughs> looking, yeah, be looking forward to see how they respond to that as well. I mean, they're, I'd say they're quite used to it. Uh, most of the players, because when we go away from home anywhere, actually, let alone when we play Bao, Gaik, um, Panathinaikos away from home, it, it's um, it's quite hostile, uh, quite quite animated. So looking forward to seeing that tomorrow. There is one question before we do match predictions from our friend Burak Özgül. He's asking you, uh, Rezan, what do you think Fenerbahce's weakest point is? Well, uh, I would say like the right and the left wings are Fenerbahce's weakest points because um, Vitor Pereira sometimes changes those players. Sometimes he plays Ferdi uh, up left and sometimes he plays him at upright. And uh, actually Ferdi originally he plays at the right flank but uh, most of the times he's he's playing at the left flank so i believe wing uh, players uh, wing left uh, like right and left wings are fenerbahce's weakest points so and uh, if we look from the olympiakos side olympiakos may be one of the uh, biggest points biggest advantages biggest advantage of olympiakos is that like the wings, like you've just mentioned Onyekuru. He's a really dangerous player. He's a really dangerous player on the wing. So if we compare these teams uh, from the wing, at, like from the right and left wings, I think Fenerbahce is getting low against Olympiakos. So Olympiakos is going to try, is try, they are going to 
they would need to push those players if they want to create some chances. So I would say right and left wing Fenerbahce's weakest points uh, ahead of the game. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because those players that I've just mentioned, Osai and Ferdi, they are really potential. They are young, they are fast, but they play with the ball too much. They they don't just have those capacity like Pelkas and Mestrozil in the intelligence part I speak. They mm. play with the ball too much, they think too much, they don't they don't act quickly. They are they're fast, they bring the ball in the uh, in the final third, but that's it. They don't just finish it. They don't just finish the position. They just leave it. So uh, I believe they could do more in time, but right now uh, they're not enough. Are, are Fenerbahce fans generally happy with how the team is playing right now? Like it's a good atmosphere, the fans, the the team, everything, everything's going well at the club. So they're everyone's looking forward to this game tomorrow. Yeah, they're excited, but they are happy with the results but when it comes to playing the game well uh, some of the some of the fans think that Fenerbahce should play like a champion like a champion candidate so they expect more chances created they expect a high xg after like the uh, after the match after the 90 minutes of the match they expect more passing more shouts uh, they want. They just want Fenerbahce to conquer all of the game, but when when they l- look at the scoreboard, yeah, Fenerbahce wins the games. But when they look at the game, they're not um, satisfied with the game right now. They expect more from Fenerbahce. They believe with this squad depth, with with these star players like Mesut Özil, Palkas, Valencia, and also in the defensive parts like the goalkeeper Altai defense, uh, like. Uh, defenders Zalai, Kim Inge, they think Fenerbahce should do more in the games not just they shouldn't be uh, it shouldn't be enough just winning the game they just want to they just want Fenerbahce to play like a top European uh, team could play like for example so funny it's so funny you're saying this because they, they I feel like I'm hearing the same thing six, seven years ago when Vitor Pereira was at Olympiacos, the worst football you've ever seen. But then yeah. people were saying, oh, he gets results, he gets results, but your eyes afterwards are hurting, you know? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> so it's, it's like we're hearing the same thing. Our, our eyes are bleeding. We don't want to see people <laughs> like this sometimes. It's, it's, but Costa, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's like hearing no, but, it, it, if I could record myself from seven years ago. Yeah, I, I don't agree. I don't agree that Vitor Pereira plays Fenerbahce real in that in that position no this season Fenerbahce is getting it's it's growing i believe in in time they're going to play better they are going to win the games but they will also play better they just need time because there are too many new players in the squad right now those players didn't even know each other that much they they need to communicate on the pitch they need to know each other very well they need to adapt to the system and they also need to adapt to themselves like 11 players they should know each other very well so uh, to do that you need time Vitropereria needs time and these players also need time so i don't think maybe comparing the uh, first uh, edition of Vitropereria in Fenerbahce i could agree with you but this time i think he's trying some 
something new. He's, you know, getting some updates, some, some upgrades in his uh, playing system. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, Labra, sure. I, I know you were laughing because you don't like Vitor Pereira, but Vitor Pereira did, did come in during, I think he came in in January. He, he wasn't managing Olympiacos from the beginning of the season. So um, if I remember well, we ended up winning the cup and winning winning the league as well. So it was yeah, the Frank anyway. Lara, let's say the the side yeah. of his chest. Let's let's just say that. Yeah, it's been a few yeah, years, well, so we can play it. Well, well, well. Let's say he he got the. My, my dad was asking me about Vitor Ferreira earlier. He's like, oh, is that is that the guy that you know did the gestures to the Panathinaikos fans, and you know he got. Uh, he he did something at the Ayak game where Kasami. Uh, yes. I think he he was caused two riots. Honestly, Vitor Pereira, yeah. like almost he caused the riot at Leoforos. I remember, and then him and Kasami went down to the Ayak fans after the it the looked like handball goal and gave them some words or gestures, and then a riot ensued at Awaka. Beautiful years, beautiful. I, it brings back good memories. <laughs> I I was I was giggling a little bit, not because of Ferreira, uh, Ferreira, but because of listening to Razan. It was like listening to her talk about Olympiacos to a certain to a certain extent. Just talking about the fans not being satisfied enough with the results. That we're happy with we're getting the results now in September. We're waiting for the team to to gel to find more chemistry. Um, it's very similar at Olympiacos right now. Um, the team was hit with a with with, with a, a COVID outbreak during the summer. We had some key injuries uh, that made us change formation during our Champions League qualification campaign. The football hasn't been great. It's been improving slowly but steadily. And going into tomorrow's game, I think we're very lucky to be top of the group right now. Because when we played Antwerp, thank you for uh, correcting me, Erythrolevki Mastura, it wasn't Standard Liège, it was Antwerp. When we played Antwerp, we were very lucky to win, I thought. That puts us top of the table. Um, and going into tomorrow's game, predictions, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, for me, I'd be, happy with, I'd be happy with a draw. Okay. I would be happy with a draw tomorrow. Of course. Um, I see 2-2. Two, 2-2 two. Two, is my prediction for tomorrow's game. I think it's going to be a very interesting midfield battle as well. I like Luis Gustavo. Great, great player. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting tussle with him and Bukalagis. They're both left-footed. They're both quite slow on, like, in terms of their movement, but fast with their brain. So I think that's an interesting matchup in midfield. Um, and if Pierre Kunde does start tomorrow, that's somebody I really want to keep an eye on uh, and somebody that you should keep an eye on, Razan and Fenerbahce fans in particular. Uh, Madi Kamara is the star of the team, in my opinion. So we've got three players in midfield there that are relatively, you know, at good age, young, uh, with something to, 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 to prove, ambition. So very interesting game tomorrow. And I think if we manage a draw, it sets us up well for uh, the Frankfurt double encounters. Labra, sure. what have you got? Uh, I, with Jan and Via Fit, I thought we were going to win tomorrow night. That was going to be my shocking prediction. 
but I am less on the Andreas Buharlaki's hype train as the rest of the members on this podcast. I still think he struggles in Europe. I still think he's too slow. I still think he makes terrible mistakes with against a clinical team will lead to mistakes. So personally, I not feeling great going into the game now without Mvia. I've said it over and over easily. The most important player on the team when he's not there, this is a different football team. Um, and I, I'm going to be positive, so I'm going to go for a 1-1. I was going to go for a 2-1 if MVA was playing, but I'm not I'm not, I'm not. not feeling great about it. And one thing I really want to say, I saw this comment. Someone asking, is Ronnie Lopez going to <laughs> be playing? Let me see if I found it. Olympiakos Turkey. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. That's the honest answer, everyone. Maybe for Why two not? minutes. Why not? Maybe he can come on tomorrow and he can finally do something. Maybe we're up 4-0 and Ronnie Lopez can run around in circles. That's fine <laughs> by me. But at this moment, God no. <laughs> so that's my prediction. So, uh, actually, I was going to say a draw would be enough for Fenerbahce if they had won the first game against Eintracht Frankfurt. But there's, there's already... A draw in Fenerbahce's hands so a draw is not going to be enough for for club and also for the fans so they're going to push really really hard uh, for a win against Olympiacos it's not going to be easy but I think Fenerbahce players Fenerbahce squad got the quality to do anything like to do the best they could and I don't think Mesut Ozil is going to be a huge missing for Fenerbahce because like I've already mentioned it before he's not in the good shape he's not in his best shape so it's it's not going to be a huge missing for the rest of the team I believe Vitor Pereira is going to bring someone who could replace him against a team like against a historical against a against one of the biggest teams in Europe also in the Greece so I believe Fenerbahce is going to be really strong when they have the fans because they're going to play at their home. So I think like uh, Fenerbahce is going to get a win like 2-1. Olympiakos is not going to be easy. They are going to score a goal, I believe. It's not going to be a clean sheet for Fenerbahce, even if they got a really promising talented goalkeeper and defenders like Zalaya and Minjay they will try to do their best to stop your threats like Onyekuru, Tikinio, Soares, Kamara but I believe Fenerbahce is going to win this game 2-1. I promise you we're going to score tomorrow we're going to score tomorrow but I don't know if it's going to be enough I, I I just don't think I don't if my head is, I'm going to say it, if, if it was my head predicting, I'm predicting the same thing as you. But I am not, so I'm saying 1-1. One, one. That is my prediction. My I th- prediction I think... was the same. But if Fenerbahce won against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, I would I would go with 1-1. One, one, and it would be like uh, satisfying for both type, for both time, for both teams. But it's not going to be enough. They need. They are going to need three points because it's the second game. And they're going to play with Antwerp on the uh, on the third week, and there are two ex Fenerbahce players playing for Antwerp, and they're playing really, really good. Because when Frey was playing for Fenerbahce, he was really bad, and some of the last season, he was he was like he was a torture to watch for both 
Fenerbahçe fans and also other football fans do. He didn't do anything. Fenerbahçe fans expected too much. They like after Fenerbahçe paid for him like six million euros, he didn't do anything. He had no quality. Like he he had lost his mind on the pitch. But when you watch him at Antwerp, he's completely different. And he's good. He's, he's and not bad at all. Yeah, that was yeah. my opinion. He's not bad and at all. And also great too. So Fenerbahce is going to struggle against Antwerp too. So they need to win this game. It's going to be 99% win. They should win it. They're going to go on the pitch. They will know they have to win this game. And I believe they will too. Well, I don't know about you guys, but wow, what a match preview this has been. My mouth is absolutely watering going into tomorrow's game. I can't wait. It's an exciting game. I can't wait to fall asleep, get work over with tomorrow and then go and watch the game. It's an early kickoff, isn't it? It's um, 7.45, I think, Greek time. So that's 6.45 Central European time. I think that's 12.45 US Eastern Standard Time. If you guys haven't set your alarms yet, uh, if you haven't booked your lunch break working from the office in DC, I'm speaking to you, Ari. That's our other co-host. I'm sure Ari's got his setup all ready for tomorrow. Rezan, thank you so much for sharing your insights, spending time with us today. I don't want to say it, but I I don't want to say this, but I will. You're the first lady that's been on our show. And it's been really? so ref- it's been so refreshing speaking <laughs> to a female about football. Um, so I want to give you a big shout out. Thank you so much. And thank big you. thank you also to Chris Wheatley, who made this introduction, our friend at um our friend from London that does a reporting for for Arsenal. Rezan, um, Football London, thank you, Labro. Um, Rezan, is there anything you'd like to say before closing? Um, anything you'd like to say, go ahead. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It was my first time doing a live show, especially in another language other than my native language. It was a really a different experience for me too. I really enjoyed it talking to you guys. And I wish both teams a good luck. And I believe... Uh, like Olympiacos fans, Fenerbahce fans, they're going to want their team to win. But as a ju- just as a football fan, it's going to be a really joyful match to watch. So I believe it's going to be an exciting game. I don't care who is going to win it or not, who's going to win it, who's going to lose it. I, I, just, I will just try to enjoy the game just, watch, just by watching it. And again, thank you so much for inviting me. It was a really, really good show for me too. Our great pleasure. Um, I'll make a wish, actually. My wish is that both clubs end up qualifying from this group. So that's... uh, There you go. Olympiagos can finish first, though, and Fenerbahce can finish second, (laughs) if that's okay. Well, I I don't want to say anything about I I want Fenerbahce to win. I, well, I would like Fenerbahce to win, and I believe they are going to win it too. But at the end of the day, uh, I I just want Fenerbahce to qualify, no matter the place. And because Fenerbahce and also the Turkish football really really needs that because our teams didn't do very well recently in the European leagues, in the European Cups, Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, Beşiktaş and Trabzonspor and the other teams. So Turkish football 
really, really need some of our clubs to be successful at the European area. So I hope Fenerbahce and Galatasaray do well on their matches tomorrow. Similarly, Greek clubs are in a very yeah, similar situation to the Turkish clubs. We need the points for the coefficient. Olympiakos has been fighting alone for the last however many years we've we've all forgotten. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to our guest, uh, Rezan Yetis. You can follow her on Twitter at Rezan underscore Yetis. It's going across the screen at the bottom there. Rezan, in Turkish, you say teşekkürler, igicele. Yeah, teşekkürler ve igicele. Very good. To anybody that doesn't know Turkish, that means thank you and good night. Yeah. We are the Gate 7 International Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button if you haven't done that already. Until tomorrow, we'll be back for post-match after the game. Kalovradi, Kalimera, Kalispera, wherever you are in the world. Take care. Bye. You just listened you to just an episode l- of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiakos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiakos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL. Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Trilos, he said. Stomialo kati magiko.